Good morning, everyone. Um, as Ryan said, I'm primarily up in West Bend, but I get I, I love the chance to come down here and be in Jackson with you to worship together and to, to bring the word. Um, we are in a series called The Divine Conspiracy. We've been taking a look at some of the first kings of the people of Israel throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And we're going to continue on with that this morning. And this morning we're going to look at a very bizarre text. I'm just going to tell you it's bizarre up front. Um, but in light of it being bizarre, or in spite of it being bizarre, I've, I've, I think it's actually really relevant to us. Because today what we're going to talk about is witches and Ouija boards. Are you ready for that? Yeah, Nate says, I don't know about that. Well, it's in Scripture, so we're going to kind of talk about it. Um, I know some of you might be, might be there, sitting there, and you've been coming to Kettleburg for a while, and you're kind of thinking, you're going, you know, it seems like they always keep talking about the same things, like Jesus and the power of the gospel and being on mission and global missions and things like that. Man, they always seem to be talking about the same kind of stuff. Well, you know what? I just want to make a promise to you. We're going to keep talking about that stuff, like, all the time, because that's that's who we are, and that's what God cares about, and therefore that's why we're going to talk about that. However, today I want to start out with this sentence for you. And now for something completely different. Okay? This is something very different. So I want you to grab a Bible and turn to page 208 in 1 Samuel chapter 28. It's on, uh, it's on page 208 in the Story of God Bibles you have there with you. And just to give you cliff notes of where we've been kind of this summer, the people of Israel had rejected God as their king. God was supposed to be the one who would lead them and rule over them. And they said, we don't want you. We want a king just like all the rest of the other nations. And so um, the prophet Samuel had said, this, is how, you know, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And God said, you know what, Samuel, let him have a king. Go ahead, let him have one. And so they chose a king, a tall, strong, handsome guy named Saul. And Saul, um, originally, as he was anointed king, th- he kind of made some, some decent choices and was kind of on the rise, if you would. Things were not bad right, right out of the gate, per se. But it didn't take very long before Saul's his pride, his arrogance, and his lack of integrity kind of caught up with him, and he started to go on the decline. Uh, in comes David. Young David defeats um, Goliath. And, and, and God had told Samuel to say, hey, tell Saul the, the kingdom is going to be taken from him because of his choices. David begins this trajectory on the way up. Saul begins this trajectory on the way out or down. But on the way out, Saul is not going out without a fight. And so he begins pursuing David to try to kill him. And I, I, Dave, you spoke last week here, right? And so we, David Lazowski told the story where, I mean, David had him, like right there. Could have taken him out but chose not to do that because of his integrity. He said, I'm not going to strike the Lord's anointed. And that brings us to kind of where we're at this morning. Now the prophet Samuel was, had passed away. He's dead. The Philistine army is gathering up to fight against the Israelite army, and King Saul's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do, and so what he does is he gets out the Ouija board, sort of. Okay? So let's see what happens here in chapter 28. I'm going to start in chapter 28, verse 3, and uh, we're going to go from there. Before we do that, let me pray. Gracious Father, thank you for this text. Um, in spite of what seems a very strange text, Lord, we know that you are speaking to us through it. And so we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us. Um, form and shape our hearts, Lord, to apply even these sometimes what seem to be strange texts to the relevant parts of our lives today so we can um, see you glorified through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here we go, chapter 28, I'm going to just read verse 3 to start. Now, Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. 
Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. So I want to stop there. Just say, hey, remember when I said initially things, Saul made some decent choices. One of them was to export mediums and spiritists from the land of Israel. Now, why would he do that? Well, he did that because in Deuteronomy chapter 18, God himself spoke in the Torah or the law to say, hey, this is not how we roll. We don't, we don't do kind of witchcraft, sorcery, this kind of stuff. And the reason why is, number one, they were associated with the Canaanite religions, the pagan Canaanite religions. But number two, and primarily, it was because if you look at what's really going on with a, with a spiritist or a medium, what they're trying to do is they're trying to gather knowledge or wisdom or power from a source that is not God. Okay? And so at the end of the day, God's like, this is in kind of direct opposition of me being in control. And so we're going to export them out of the land, if you would. And in fact, these, um, this was not only in what we find in God's word. If you look about a thousand years before the, the, the Saul was king, we find a Sumerian king named Gudea who had also rid his kingdom of the same kinds of practices because they knew this wasn't, this wasn't necessarily good. So here's the reminder. Hey, this is what Saul had done. He had expelled those. Now in verse 4, let's pick back up here. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to also read from the Action Bible for young folks in the room. So Gary, got the next slide here. And this is hard for you to see, so just look at the pictures. It says, Saul is not safe. And his army is confronted by the Philistine forces. And when he sees their powerful armies, he's afraid. And frantically, he calls upon God for help. But because he had killed God's priests and disobeyed God's commands, God would no longer speak to him. Terrified, he resorts to a dark power. And we keep going here in verse 6. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Okay, So Saul is freaking out. Because the Philistine army is gathering, and he wants God's help. Just like we do so often times when things kind of go crazy, he wants God's help. And so he tries everything that he can to try to hear from God. He takes that meme from Facebook, and he forwards it out to 30 of his friends within 30 minutes. Okay? Because then he can hear from God. He takes that paper thing he got in the mail that you can stare at long enough, and maybe the face of God will show up or something, and then you'll hear. He, he, he called the hotline and put some money in. He did all these things to try to hear from God, and none of those things are working. And so he tries something else. Verse 7. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. Okay, so let me read this next slide to you. Where can I find a woman who speaks with the spirits of the dead? I need some advice. There is a witch in Endor. We can't let people see us breaking the law, so we'll have to go by night. That night, Saul and two servants sneak across the hills to the village of Endor. Now, just for the sake of geographic context here, I need to let you know something. Um, We are not talking here about the planet of Endor or its forest moon, which is on this next slide here. Okay, that is from Star Wars. Uh, Those are uh, stormtroopers and other... Uh, entities involved there. So what we're actually talking about is a place called Endor, which is on this next map. It's hard to see, but it's up there in the Jezreel Valley uh, near the Jordan River. And it looks actually like this in this next slide. This is actually where Endor is, the real place. Okay. So Saul has, has, he's tried everything to try to hear from God. He can't do it. So he actually turns to the very mediums who he expelled from the land before 
he asks this guy, hey, do you know where there, there is one? And the guy's like, he doesn't even have to go look. He's like, oh, yeah, there's one in Endor. It's like they knew she was there. All right, verse 8. Let's pick back up. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult the spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, ironically. As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. And the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice. And she said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Now, I want to stop there just for a second to note this robe thing, okay? Because if you look at it, he's like, what do you see? Well, it's an old man with a robe. Well, what does that tell you? Well, it may not tell us anything, but it tells something to Saul because he knows. Here's what happened. If you remember back a while, uh, some messages ago, what had happened was God had told Samuel, the prophet, to tell Saul that he was going to have the kingdom removed from him. And so he went and did. He said, hey, Saul, God's going to tear the kingdom from you. And Saul's like, no. And Samuel went to turn away, and he grabbed his robe. Remember this? He grabbed his robe, and he, and, and he, he tore a piece of it off. And then Samuel said, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly how it's going to happen. God's going to tear the kingdom from your hand. So when we see and hear a man coming up with a robe, Saul's like, ah, I knew it. It's Samuel. There's some significance here to this robe. All right, let's finish this out. Verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me. God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. And immediately Saul fell full length in the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he'd eat nothing all that day and night. And so we see the, the slide to this in the Action Bible. Uh, suddenly the witch cries out in terror, Ah! Oh no, it's really Samuel! You must be King Saul! Please don't kill me! And Samuel's spirit says, Why have you roused me? The Philistines are attacking me! God's rejecting me! I need you to tell me what to do! And then Samuel says, that The Lord... No. There you go. If the Lord wouldn't help you... What makes you think I will? You rejected the Lord's command, so he has rejected you. David will be the next king. Tomorrow your army will be defeated and you and your sons will be dead. And the next slide says, In despair and weakness, Saul falls flat on the ground, unable to get up. So here's the story. Now, again, a last-ditch effort. Saul consults this, this woman, this medium, this witch, the spirit, just whatever we want to call her. And, and basically what we find is that Samuel, the spirit of Samuel somehow shows up and affirms everything that he had said when he was alive. But worse. He's like, you're going to be dead. And if you read forward, you'd find not soon after what we read here, that that's exactly what happens. He ends up dead the next day. Probably not what he was looking for. 
Now, can, can, does anyone want to agree this is bizarre? This is strange. Okay? And yet in the midst of this bizarreness, I think that many of us have found ourselves in a similar, similar situation where we found ourselves in a place where we really, really want to hear from God. We, we're just like, we, God, we really need to hear from you. Maybe we're wrestling through like a job change. Maybe we're wrestling through a life stage change. Maybe we're wrestling through some relational issue. Maybe there's um, some things we're going, we want to hear, God, are you opening doors or are you closing doors? We just want to hear from you, God. Maybe you lost a loved one recently and you want to know that it will be okay, that they will be okay, that you'll be okay. Just this last week, I got an email from a family. They're making a significant decision. They wrote to say, Troy, any insights you see or hear in response to regards to how we can hear from God in this, uh, this would be greatly appreciated. I get that one a lot. And so we can relate to Saul here. The Philistines are imminent, the battle with them. What should he do? He wants God to speak wisdom in this situation. I think we can relate to that. And he's tried everything he's tried, and he turns to a medium which he knows is not a good idea, but he does it anyway. And again, I think one of the questions that this, this text raises a, diff, a good amount of questions, actually. But one of the big questions is, can a medium summit the spirit of one of God's prophets? Doesn't that seem bizarre? When I was in high school, uh, I was hanging out with some friends. They weren't my core friends or some other friends. And, we, and they said, hey, we're going to go to this girl's house. And I had never been to this girl's house before. I never went back after or whatever. But like, so you kind of got in this, I was just in this group. And we went to this girl's house. And this night she goes, hey, let's play the Ouija board. And I was like, uh, that's all right. You know, I, I had heard of this stuff before. And I was like, you guys can do it. I'll just watch. And so they got the Ouija board and started playing this Ouija board thing. And, and, and I'm kind of just like, oh, this is so cheesy. This is, this is stupid. And they're just moving it around to say whatever they wanted to say, blah, blah, blah. And so one of my buddies uh, that I had that come with, he was on there and he asked, hey, when am I going to die? And then it said 27. So it said he's 27. Now, uh, I went with him that night and, and we did a sleepover with him and I think another guy, buddy, we were hanging out. And I could tell he was totally making fun of it. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to die when I'm 27. But you could tell he kept bringing it up because it was on his mind. It was kind of heavy. So anyway, we kind of grew apart. Um, and over the years, I went to, off to school and, and, and he went somewhere else. And, and so I found out later uh, that, that he actually passed away when he was 27 years old. Okay, from a tragic motorcycle accident. Now, some might say, well, here's a guy who is known to pop wheelies and crotch rockets at like 110, so your chances are pretty high. Like, so we could say, hey, is it a coincidence? Could be. It could be. Is it possible that something really was happening that, that night all those years ago on that silly board? Could be. I don't know. What I do know is that in both cases, in Saul's case and in that case, both ended in death which is perhaps one reason why we would, if we're going to seek information, wisdom, and power, we actually want to go to the source of life and not to these other sources. So I, don't, I didn't answer the question yet. Can a witch or a medium or a spiritist bring up the, the, the spirit of, of one of God's prophets? Because you know what, folks? Uh, this is not something, if you were to read throughout Scripture, you're not going to find this anywhere else. This is a one-time deal. This isn't something you find, oh, well, this is also over here and over here. No, no, this is a one-time thing. Like the only other time you can find anything close to this is where Jesus tells a story. Jesus tells a story about a rich man and a guy named Lazarus who both die. They go to different places. One's at Abraham's side and one's in a not-so-good place. And, and so the, the rich man 
is in this not-so-good place, and he is crying out, saying, hey, can I go back and tell my brothers about this who are alive so that they don't have to endure what I'm enduring right now? And he's not allowed to go back. Now, what does that tell us? Just, I don't know. There's just not a lot of, that, that deals with this in this text. In all of Scripture, this is a very unique situation. Now, here's something I can say, though. As I was studying this, one of the things that I think I found was that it, the medium does not actually seem to be really in control of the situation that's going on here. Let me give you five evidences of that. One is this. If she was really that clairvoyant, she probably would have known it was Saul. He was the king. Okay? He's the very guy who evicted her from the land, if you would. If she was really that clairvoyant, probably could have seen that one coming. Secondly, when she does see Samuel, it says she cries out. Like she freaks out, It basically is what happens. I don't know if that's common practice, but it seems like she's surprised. Like, oh my gosh, this is like legit. This is happening right now. Okay? Thirdly, notice that Samuel himself says, the spirit of Samuel says, why have you, Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? In other words, Samuel credits Saul, not the spiritist, if you would, for actually bringing him up. Fourthly, notice that she doesn't interact at all with the spirit of Samuel. She can see him, but Samuel only interacts with Saul. He speaks to, he speaks to him. And lastly, uh, if you were to look at verse excuse me, 21, you'll see that after this dialogue that Saul and Samuel have, it says that the woman comes to Saul and finds that he was terrified, which seems to imply that she actually had left for the dialogue and came back. Now, again, does that solve our dilemma and answer the question? I, I don't know if it does. It just seems as though she is not necessarily in control of the situation. But what I think we can learn is that leveraging spiritistic mediums is not how God wants us to hear from him. Is if you look back in verse 15, we find Saul is distressed and he says, I, I called on you because I don't know what to do. Help, tell me what to do. And this, I think, is what we find at the heart of the matter of what this text is actually saying. Because here's what I think happens. God had already told Saul what to do. God had already told Samuel to tell Saul also what to do. But you know what the problem was? you want to guess? He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. And I think so often we can do the same thing. People come to me and say, Troy, what does God want me to do in this situation or in that situation? I'm, I'm not God. So I try not to answer those questions. What I try to do is I point people to what God has said. Say, Here's, why, don't we come with, why don't we look at what God has to say and we can maybe know what he might have to say in this situation. The problem is, is that I think, folks, very often we already know exactly what God wants us to do. We just don't want to do it. And so what we do is we're like, well, maybe if I get a fortune cookie, it might tell me something different, and I'll want to do that. Maybe if we get our palms read, or maybe if we read our horoscope, or maybe if we just ask enough people, we'll find somebody who will tell us what we want to hear. Saul cannot escape the reality of what he's already been told by God. No matter how hard he, try, he tries to reverse his fortune, fortune, look, folks, the witch herself says, you shouldn't do this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He just keeps plugging ahead. He won't listen. And sometimes I think we do the same thing. When we used to have our office downtown in, uh, in West Bend, my house is on the west side of town, so I take Highway 33 uh, every day into downtown where old offices were. And... Um, one morning in 
the time I was reading scripture early in the morning, I was reading this story from a book of Acts about a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. Now, if you're familiar with this account, basically what, a couple things we can notice is that in the book of Acts, many years after what we're reading right here in 1 Samuel, we find sorcery. So we still find these practices happening many years later. So anyway, in this account, what happens is Jesus had died and rose from the dead, and his disciples are experiencing the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and there's crazy, miraculous things happening. There's a guy named Simon the Sorcerer, and he comes up to him. He's like, whoa, this is legit. He's like, can I get some of that? And he's like, okay, so no, literally, guys, what's it going to cost? Like, how much do I have to pay you to get that kind of power? That's what he says. And they're like, you know what? May your money perish with you if you think that's how it works. That's not how it works. And he's like, okay, so. So anyway, as I'm reading through that text, I'm always asking the question, God, what do you have? You know, how do I live this text out in my life and be obedient to you in? And so I'm driving to work. And what happens is that every day I'm driving back and forth to work, there is a house with a gal who's a psychic. And it's been there. I'm driving past it. And so I'm reading this saying, God, how do you want me to be obedient? And so I'm driving to work, and, and I'm sensing the Spirit of God say, you should pray for that gal. And so I'm like, yeah, I should. You know what? Let me apply that by praying for her. I'll pray for her right now. And the Spirit of God was saying, no, no, I want you to go in there and pray for her. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to pray right here in my car, okay? So I was driving, I did that, and then I'd go home, past the same place. And then the next day I'd go there, past the same place, and home, and back. And every day the Spirit was like, you need to go in there. And I'm like, no, I don't. I really don't. That's, that's crazy. And so I kept hearing this, and uh, I think at some point, just to get God off my back, I mustered enough crazy up to kind of like say, you know, okay, I'm going to go in there today and so i pulled in and i went into the place and i sat down and she's like hey what do you want i can do energy readings i can do tarot cards i can read your palm what do you want what's your flavor i said well as crazy as this sounds god actually told me to come in here and ask you how i can pray for you and she she fell out of her chair and fell on her knees and she said i need jesus no, that's not what happened. That's, that's what I thought was going to happen. That's what I was kind of like anticipating was going to happen because I was being obedient. That's not what happened. Instead, what happened was we had a dialogue. You know, we, had, we exchanged some questions and or she just, you know, thoughts. And, and so she said, yeah, oh, yeah, I believe in Christianity. I'm like, okay. I'm not, I didn't come here to debate all that stuff. I just said, hey, you know, I want to pray for you. She goes, you get really good energy about you. I said, yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. So, so anyway, um, so I'm going to pray for you. And, and so I prayed for her. And, uh, and then I left and I got in my car and I'm driving to work. And I'm like, hey, hey, thanks for nothing. Like that was, thanks for super awkward, no fruit producing, like weirdness. Thanks. Can I have some more of that? What else do you want me to do today? You know, and, and I, I also felt God's spirit at that time say, Troy, maybe it wasn't about her. Maybe it was about you being willing to actually obey me in the midst of awkward and not easy. And I was like, well, that's dumb too. I mean, right? It's, 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 about, it's about saying, hey, are we going to be willing to obey? Is it really that much skin off my back to pray for this woman? No. Is it really that, am I that afraid? What's this really about? 
Now, I tell you this story for a couple reasons. First reason I tell you the story is because I, I think we need to realize that the practices of mediums and spiritists, witches, witchcraft, all that stuff is still in. You, you may not know this, but this stuff is happening today. Okay, it still happens very regularly. They're not far away from us. Okay, this still happens very regularly. Now, this does not mean that we are to go on to a witch hunt. Okay, that is not the way of Jesus. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities of the darkness in this world. We are to seek to bring love and life and light and hope to the dark places of this world. And we are to seek to love and pray for those who may not, may not agree with, their obviously, their approach to spirituality. But I think sometimes we can forget that these things exist today. And I think sometimes, folks, the reason that they must exist is because there is some sort of source of power that they're drawing some something from. You know, I don't know if it's all parlor tricks, to be quite frank. But what Scripture makes evidently clear is that this, this power is not from God, but from someone or something else. I was uh, talking to a teenager last week, and she was in an event, uh, just a small group of her peers she didn't know very well, but a couple of the peers were young gals who were wicked, and they were very open about it, and they were celebrating death, darkness, and destruction right in front of her. And so she was trying to process with me and say, how do I respond to that? What do I do? And so we were trying to process her, how Jesus would respond to that. And I think sometimes as Christians, we don't take seriously enough the spiritual warfare that's being waged around us. And I think what happens if we don't take that seriously, a couple things happen. We become afraid. We become afraid like if, oh, we're having to deal with that kind of stuff. But we're not to be afraid because he who is in us who trusts in Christ is greater than he who is in the world. But if we also, if we, if we don't acknowledge this stuff exists at all, what happens is that we become ill-equipped or ill-empowered to know how to actually deal with and respond to people. Now, the other side of the coin is that we could actually go to a place where we see, like, evil in every bush, every behind every bush and everything, and I think then what we're doing is actually being taken over with and our mind is consumed by it. We're actually to have all of our thoughts taken captive to Christ. But I think we need to make sure that we keep some balance in this. So the other reason I tell you this, uh, this story is, is the same thing that I think this text is trying to say, and that is this. God has spoken, but we so often refuse to listen. God's already spoken. God had spoken to me through the scriptures about Simon the Sorcerer. I said, I don't want to do that. If you want to know where God stands in some issue in your life, great place to start. Right here. Because he's given us this. He has spoken. How many people diligently check their horoscopes but don't, don't engage in this? You know, I don't know. Maybe there's some of you in here to do that. That's, this is where we need to go. How many of us check, maybe not our horoscopes, but our, but our emails and the, the news and everything else to try to find out what, wisdom and power? And not this. God has already spoken. But He's actually went, you know this, He's went further than this Word. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Word. He revealed Himself through the only true medium, Jesus Christ. He's revealed His power through the only one who could actually wield it. The, only, the one whose name causes darkness to flee. He is the image of the invisible God. The one who said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And for those who we place our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, it goes another step further, folks. Not only do we have God's Word, not only do we have Jesus in the flesh, but that Jesus said, you trust in me, I'll give you my Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will remind you of everything that I've said and teach you all things. See, we don't need any other mediator or mediums than Jesus Christ himself who is at the right hand of the Father, who mediates on our behalf. We don't need to look to direction anywhere else except Christ. 
Christ who said, The words I say to you are not just my own. It is my Father living in me who is doing His work. And so, family, when we find ourselves in Saul's shoes, maybe we're afraid, we want to know what to do, here's the first thing I would actually have you ask yourself. It's this question. Do I already know what to do, but am I unwilling to do it? That's, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't, you're like, I don't know what to do, I think we need to stand back and say, hey, do I actually already know what to do, but am I just unwilling to do it? And if the answer is yes to that question, which I think actually, quite frankly, very often it is, then I think we need to do a couple things. We need to confess that to, to God and we need to repent of that and say we want to actually obey in the things that we know you've called us to. The second thing we need to do is we need to seek counsel from his word as an individual and together as a family so we can more easily discern when these things come up. The more we're, we're understanding what this says, the more when situations arise, we're already going to know what God has said and called us to in each and every situation. He's already made it clear. Now, practically speaking, as an individual or as a family, what, what I've been coaching people to do is very simply ask some questions of a scripture when you read through it. And there's four. I've got them in your bulletin. You read through a scripture and you ask very four simple questions. What does this text say about who God is? What does this text say about what God has done? What does this text say about who we are? And what does this text say about what we are to do? We need, we need to be able to, to digest this and understand it so we know what God has for us. And lastly, we need to pray. Not lastly, but in conjunction. We need to pray individually. We need to pray as a family together. Because we need to ask the Holy Spirit for either peace or conviction. Because what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit, sometimes you're not going to hear Sometimes you're going to be like Saul and you're going to say, I feel like I really want to hear from you, God, but I'm not, going to he- I'm not hearing. And the Holy Spirit will either give us peace in that to say, hey, you know what? It's okay. Just be patient. Or the Holy Spirit's going to convict us back to question number one, which is, do we actually already know what we're going to do? We're supposed to do, but we're not doing it. And so as we pray, the Lord will reveal those things to us. Either peace or conviction. At the end of the day, family, here's something I think we need to be grateful for. Jesus Christ knew what needed to be done. He knew exactly what needed to be done, and thankfully he was willing to do it. And he did it. And he came. So that through the Spirit, not through any other medium or any other mediator, we could actually have direct access to God the Father, individually and as a family. Does that make sense? Let's seek him, the Father, through his Spirit, by Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you that even in the midst of this bizarre text that you can speak to us and convict us that very often we know what you'd have for us, but we just do not want to do it. We confess that together individually. We confess it as a family. To say, Lord, there are so many things we're already being disobedient in in our lives because we just don't want to do them. Help us by your Spirit. Empower us to see that you are greater than our fears. You're greater than our, than our failures or insecurities that you can speak. You have spoken and you will continue to speak in and through us as we follow what you have said, as we follow your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that we would never seek wisdom, power um, from, from really anyone else other than your son, Jesus. That we trust in him alone. And we pray this in his name. Amen.